Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast, our first of the new year 2024, which means there has a lot, there has been a lot that has gone on since the recap of the Frisco Bowl and since the calendar has changed from 2023 to 2024. And primarily, we're going to get into a recruiting wrap up because the early signing period, you know, was early signing day came and went. The transfer portal window will remain open um, and, and there will still be a lot of movement. And of course, we know, Russ, that there will be another window following spring ball. So there is no way, shape or form, that you can say that the recruiting process is finished for 2024. It it ain't that way. We're going to see uh, probably departures and additions all the way up, maybe even till a few weeks before the first game. We've seen that over the past couple of years, but hey, we had a lot of movement for um, the early signing period. And of course, we've got that killer article for all the transfers in and transfers out over at thundercast.online, which you can keep track of. So we've got a lot to get into. There was some great um, uh, basketball stuff going on. And I want to talk about it all because it's just been a minute been a little over a week and we usually don't go over a week without having a show so let's get into it with a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com if you've been hurt in a wreck visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on facebook you can't stop a bad driver from crashing into you and making you a victim but when you're hurt and you try to deal with the insurance companies alone you set yourself up to be a victim again Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from bad drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. It's been a minute, and I'm sure there are some things that have happened that we absolutely have to talk about. Uh, In fact, I know I've seen some really killer things that have come across the timeline, so don't keep me in suspense any longer. How about five things that every herd fan needs to know to start out 2024? How about seven? How about this week? This week we're going to have seven things every herd fan needs to know. This week, as always, sponsored by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, women's soccer has named their coach, and it is Rafa Samos. I think that's cool. I don't know that I saw that one coming, right? Because uh, you can't, that one kind of, um, fell like you, you was like, well, we know we need a coach. And then so much stuff other kept happening, like with football and, and the bowl game. And I and you were like, Hey, we haven't hired a women's coach yet. And then all of a sudden, bam, Rafa Simone's. And you're thinking, Hey, we're going to go the Chris grassy coaching tree for the women's side. And I tell you what, that's not a bad idea because it's been a pretty successful run for the men. So I'm here for it. And and I, I really feels like this is turning into a uh, not so much a men's soccer program and women's soccer program, more so the martial soccer programs, right? It's like the blueprint and and the philosophies and kind of making it that one big herd family that we all like to talk about. I am here for this move, and I think it's 
really, really awesome. Yeah, Samoa's uh, being on uh, grassy staff. If they can uh, have that synergy between the two programs, and you know the try to duplicate what we're doing with the men, wildly successful program right now, nationally ranked year in year out. Uh, if they can duplicate that, this is a very very good hire. Uh, everyone should be familiar with him, uh, you know, in the athletic department, he should be able to hit the ground running, uh, won't need to get acclimated to the university, won't need to get acclimated to the town, all that lives here. Very good hire. Yeah, it is. And you know, you think like if you can replicate that, and I know that's a lofty expectation, but from just a scratch the surface standpoint, if you're a soccer prospect and you go, man, look what that Marshall men's team has been doing and then you go wow look at the facility that they play you probably now entering into conversations with uh, women's soccer prospects that may not have Marshall even on their radar but you get a guy from a successful program like the Marshall men's program couple it with the facilities couple it with the attendance that shows up at those and, and the potential for an even bigger you know, uh, crowd support if they can just turn a corner and start being really competitive in the Sun Belt. I think it, it starts to check a lot of boxes, and you can see that it won't take a lot for uh, some some sub some substantial growth from a success standpoint to take place with herd women's soccer. We thought we would see it a little bit last year because they turned a corner. Remember a season ago towards the end, didn't really pan out the way we thought. So they say, hey, let's make a change. What better way that to do that than to look in-house at your vastly successful men's program and try to replicate that? Mm -hmm. And uh, Samoz does have uh, women's coaching experience. You know, he was with Nova Southeastern, I think the article said, and Ohio. Uh, so familiar with uh, coaching a women's team at the collegiate level, uh, been here with wild success not just with marshall but in the local soccer communities he's mm -hmm. well known so uh i think this will be one of those don't need to wait to see some results type deal because he's already here yeah know? now we know that it won't take much to improve upon what we had from a record standpoint last year it won't take too much to 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 get out of or to surpass those expectations but you also don't want to go hey in two years we're going to be, you know, fighting for a college cup. Could yeah. it happen? Yeah, it could, because Marshall did that when they hired Chris Grassy. But uh, if if coaches that were able to perform to that level of, of success were just around all the time, then everybody would do it. Now, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility to say they will be an improved team. They will be an improved program. There's just a certain amount of, of uh, draw that making the right hire helps i mean you see it all the time in football for example guy they hire a coach and within two years the program's turned around you know yep. so it, it's it's uh not necessarily cautious optimism i think it's just flat out optimism to be honest all right moving on to number two uh martial athletics teams continue to have success in the classroom and i have that article up here to tell you just about how they are doing it Cumulative GPA for all athletic teams, 3.18 for the fall 2023 semester. Uh, let's see. Eight programs finished with a perfect GSR score. Uh, 
25 graduated in this semester. Uh, I've got other stuff here breaking it down, but flip it over to you for some reactions, and then I'll get into individual team scores. Yeah, which is always awesome. I love when these grades come out because it's it's a little bit humbling pers- from a personal standpoint because uh, the overall cumulative grade point average was higher than what I graduated with at Marshall. Right, And we talk about it all the time, the additional load that every athlete has to carry with practices and treatments and and games and traveling and all that, you know. And I just got to be a college student and do what I wanted to when I wasn't in class kind of thing. And uh, that always makes me feel uh, really good about that academics do play an important role at Marshall. They don't just want to recruit athletes to go out there and, and, and produce on a field of play. They also want to prepare them to be successful when their playing careers are over because, you know, just like a lot of high school athletes, they don't pay play past high school. Well, a lot Mm -hmm. of college athletes won't pay play past college either. So it's important that you get prepared for the remaining 40, 50 plus years of your life uh, once the playing time is done. So I love that, but I always, I am guilty. I, I went and I looked and I'm like, all right, who, who had the highest GPA out of all of our programs? And I know you have that in front of you, so I'll, I'll let mm-hmm. you spoil that for me. Yeah. First, uh, the GSR is graduation success rate. Yeah. And here's, here's those eight, uh, programs that had a perfect 100 score, uh, men's cross country and track, uh, men's golf, women's basketball, women's cross country and track, women's golf, women's soccer, swimming and diving, and women's volleyball. Uh, Softball had a 96. Uh, Everyone else is above 75, uh, 75 and above. And we had an overall, if you combine all those, we had a 91 overall tied for first in the Sunbelt Conference. We also had several of these programs, their GPA led the Sunbelt Conference. That's always good to see. Mm -hmm. And here's the GPAs. Just going to run down them real quick. First, the men's. Soccer, 3.47. Cross country, 3.42. Baseball, 3.36. Basketball, 3.26. Golf, 3.23. Track and field, 3.2. Football, 2.55. Women's golf, 3.89, swimming and diving, 3.81, cross country, 3.61, volleyball, 3.57, tennis, 3.44, track and field, 3.36, soccer, 3.34, softball, 3.29, basketball, Mm 3.19. Well, it's a lot of really high GPAs. It is. And um, you can't short sell that because the results are what they are. You do you mm-hmm. have to put in the work to get those grades. Uh, it seems like our women's sports are crushing it uh, when it comes to academics. And some of the things you do have to take into account, like I'm not I'm not breezing over this. It, like football's GPA is pretty lower than I'd like to see it, 2.55. But you mm-hmm. also have over 100 athletes that are going into those numbers. So there are absolutely yeah. guys out there that are smoking it in the classroom. So – but there, so you can't just toss it all, you know, in there and say, "Hey, man, you guys got to all do." Collectively, they have to do better. But there are some guys that probably simply can't do anymore. There are probably some 4.0 athletes on the football team, and and some and some dean's list guys out there, right? So there are some guys that that 
probably need to improve in the classroom and 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 the team cumulative gpa says that 2.55 is not great you want to see everybody really get over that 3.0 threshold but you absolutely can't turn away and say man those women's sports are struggling because they're Killing it, man. Like 3.8, 3. Point, all of them basically over 3.5 on the Dean's List type deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to do that. I, I joke about this, but it's true. I, I made the Dean's List one time, <laughs> you know, and uh, I was in college for a long time. So it's, it's, it, I probably could have done it if I would have committed a little bit more, but let's be honest, man. I, I, college was, for me, it was a lot more about, learning who I was and, and learning about myself. I think I learned more outside of the classroom than I did inside of a classroom. And, and honest to God, I, I feel like that's uh, equally, if not more so important, you know, uh, because I mean, I'm not trying to downplay a college education. It's important, but I don't have a job that, that my degree comes into play, you know, at all. And, and I've, mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm thankful for Marshall. I'm thankful that I went there. I'm thankful that I'm a son of Marshall and, and the experience of being there for so many years set forth the course of the remainder of my life, you know, and so much so that I sat here with you and talk about the herd, uh, and not been a student for a quarter of a century almost, you know, so it's played a vital role in, in my personal life. But, um, I just, I, I, I can't, help but smile when you start talking about three point whatever gpas because they were always higher than what i had so um huge congratulations to all those hard-working athletes in the in the classroom in the library late nights and traveling with their laptops and tablets and doing all that stuff on a team bus or a flight or whatever man just kudos to you guys and gals it's more work than i wanted to take on you know, at that time in my life, never mind the fact that I wasn't athletically talented enough to have to do that. But killer numbers. I love it. Um, final note on on this is six of the transfers that we have in football that are in the portal right now. Uh, they walked. They graduated. And uh, just running over those real quick because we're going to talk about it here in a minute. But uh, Marcus Velez, Joshua McTire, Brandon McElroy, Trent Holler, Elijah Austin, all graduated and they all hit the portal. So it's not just, you know, sometimes knee jerk reaction when you see the portal now is to complain about it. And kids aren't uh, completing their college. A lot of them are, you know, some of them that are moving on, which we're going to talk about we're not on scholarship and they're looking or they were, but they are getting no playing time here. They want to go somewhere and play. Uh, some of them maybe want to, to do some graduate program somewhere. And here's six that have already graduated from Marshall uh, just from this semester. This mm-hmm. is not saying that there's not more in the transfer portal right now from Marshall that graduated the previous semester or something sure. and was here working on a master's. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, it's not always about what people immediately point to as loyalty to the program. You know, you can be loyal to a program. I mean, those guys are. They they were loyal enough to obtain a degree from Marshall University. So at one yep. point, does the loyalty, have you fulfilled that loyalty? I think that's an excellent indicator that you did. You stayed long enough and grabbed a degree. And But for other guys, you were loyal enough and gave it, a, gave it enough of a shot that it became apparent that you maybe were not going to get the snaps that you wanted to get. So now you're looking for an opportunity to play elsewhere. It's not, 
it's 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 really easy to just say, well, there's no loyalty anymore. But it's not always that way. I mean, we right. say it all the time. Russ, if a, if a company came to you and said, hey, you we're going to pay you twice as much. Now, I know this is job. We're not talking about NIL. This is a job. If you're if another competitor came to you and said, we're going to pay you twice as much to do the same work, you would strongly consider that. Right. I mean, strongly no. consider that. No, I actually, there wouldn't be any consideration. You just yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Like before they finished the sentence, I would already be, you know, leaving. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before you just chalk it up to loyalty, there's other extenuating circumstances that are uh, that are out there. It's not always. Well, there's no loyalty anymore. There is some of sure. that, but it's not always that. All right. So uh, number three, softball is having the inaugural first pitch dinner on. February the 3rd at Guyane Golf and Country Club. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, I've got a kind of idea what I think it is, but I would love to actually hear more about that because I think that would be, if you're a, if you're a supporter of the softball team, which we know we have a lot of in and around mm -hmm. Huntington, uh, this seems like a, a neat little event to just immerse yourself a little bit more in herd softball culture. So I would like to learn a little bit about like what's going on there. Yeah, uh, it says details to come, uh, and they probably will be out soon, but uh, I'm sure that this is just going to be the start of a big fundraiser before the season starts. You know, you sure. have a dinner and meet the team and, and that sort of thing, and, you know, it's fundraiser. It costs money to attend the event. Uh, we have those at other, you know, Tip-Off Club does it for men's basketball, been right. doing it for a while, things like that, so... Uh, just another good step to get these uh, championship funds, uh, get more money in them and onward and upward for all the programs. Yeah. And, and these are also just good opportunities to, there's a lot of new faces with herd softball this year, a lot, mm -hmm. you know, yep. all new coaching staff outside of Allie Harrell. Uh, she was there last year, but outside of her, it's all new staff. And of course, everybody that's followed herd softball at all is going to know Morgan Zirkle. I mean, geez, she's like mm -hmm. the, the greatest one of the greatest ever to ever play for the herd. But so there's a lot of new players, a lot of new coaches. There's just a lot of new and there's, that's a good opportunity to uh, support the program and also become more familiar with the program. But I, I think it would be cool if they had things like, I don't know, you know, like, a, you know, raffles and stuff like they do the quarterback club and in, sure. in, in yeah. that'd be great, man. Like silent yeah. auctions and stuff, because there's there's fans out there. You know, we're some of those fans that would love to be able, I would love to be able to showcase like softball stuff right here on in mm -hmm. this hole in my wall or, you know, something like that or not hole, but, you know, blank spot in my wall. So the, the, all these sports should be doing this, you know, because there are supporters that would pay to go. You know, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you got to do it at the freaking guy in or at the at the damn uh, civic arena or you know because you know but the john marshall room they still call it the john marshall room upstairs as far as i know they've okay. got that new uh, uh food table uh program in there oh yeah that's right so there's areas where all of our our sports could do something like this to to help to raise a little funds for their championship i like it i think it's a good idea all right, number four, one of those players that I just talked about that graduated and walked, Isaiah Gibson, has announced he is returning for another year. Yeah, big. That was big, man. Our defensive line, as, as we get into this uh, later on and we talk about recruiting, defensive line took a bit of a hit. And mm -hmm. uh, it was a it was a really, really big sigh of relief to get that I'm back you know, tweet uh, and uh, Instagram post 
because he's a big part, and he's going to be a big part of the success of the 2024 defensive line without a doubt. He's been a big part of it for the last two years, two seasons. So uh, I'm really pumped for that. Gibby back, 99, big guy, causing some havoc at, at the first level in the defense. Man, we need that. We needed a guy like that to be back, and I'm so glad he's back. Yeah, um, just his size and skill level up the middle uh, for run stopping and everything. He was one of those players that uh, when uh, Coach Huff brought in, he was talking about, you know, we need to have a certain size at certain positions. He's one of those that I pointed at. Yeah, Uh, It wasn't just him, but there were more. You know, we talked about this before, but previous defensive schemes under Doc, they went with more speed. So you take a – an outside linebacker, maybe make him an edge rusher, and then you take uh, your outside guys and put them on the inside and bring your safeties up to be linebackers. And had hybrid-type players. But some of them were small, and we started having problems uh, with runs up the middle. And Coach Huff's first year here, we had problems with runs up the middle. And you remember that Louisiana Bowl game. He said we had six, I think it was, defensive linemen that made the trip. Uh, so that off season, that was a, a point of contention. Let's get defensive linemen in here. And they were big guys. And you saw that defense just really take hold that, that year and became an elite unit nationally. And it started with being able to put pressure up front and stop the run up front. Yeah. And, and he's going to be augmented by some other guys that, as far as we know, are returning, right? Tyquist's mm-hmm. legs should be back. And, and and there's some there's some there are some contributors that hit the portal that I thought would be back, you know, because mm-hmm. they 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 were productive for the herd. They mm-hmm. might not have been that that eye popping stat guy, but you know, having legs back, having having Gibby back is is going to be big because um, you you know we're already looking at now that Elijah Alston has hit the portal, Owen Porter has exhausted eligibility, dude. That's that's two premier pass rushers, you know, gone. And we saw some really great things late from Mike Green. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some young talent there, and you can start to get a we'll, – we'll have a much better idea of, of what this defensive line will look like, obviously, after spring football. It's still going to be – it's still going to change. But uh, that you can expect a lot of movement. And I don't know where. I can't say there will be, you know, four more defensive linemen that will be added. I, I can't say that. But I can say there, I know there will be more movement on this roster. There's still, there are still scholarships available to be utilized, right? So those are going to be put to use. You know that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, you just can't understate from, from one guy. We're just talking about Gibby, really. Uh, how, how impactful that will be for the defensive line for 2024, man. You're going to, we're going to have to have it, especially if you're talking about revamping the offense and looking more like an air raid. I mean, think about that, Russ. If if it's not working, if you go through a stretch where you can't, you know, complete some passes, those are quick drives, you know, and your defense is going right back out there. And you those are real scenarios that probably will happen at times because no air raid offense just consistently moves the ball all the time. They all struggle and go three and out. And but those three and outs are often really fast because the clock ain't running, you know, after an incompletion most of the time. I think it's I think it does now with the new clock rules, unless you're under two minutes, but they're still generally shorter drives than if you're running the football. Anyway, uh, huge news out of out of herd football uh, from Gibby returning. Yeah, um, 
other news out, number five, uh, it was reported on Twitter. Uh, nothing official that I've seen yet, but it was reported on Twitter that Logan Meyer will be moving on and becoming the general manager and recruiting director at Troy. Yeah, under uh, new uh, head coach uh, Gerard Parker, which we know has strong Huntington ties. Um, I, I was surprised when I saw that, and you're right, we haven't seen anything official. It was basically just a uh, retweet of a football scoop article. But we liked Logan, man. He was he was good to us, and and it sucks to see him go if he does in fact go, because um, you know he had he had a uh, nice effect on herd football. You know he was a go getter, and he was he was in charge of uh, recruiting and player personnel and stuff like that. So he was a good one, you know. So, yeah. That that falls on those guys that go often unnoticed. You know, so many people hang hats on who's the who's the this coach, who's the that coach, and those support staff guys that fly under the radar have been so important for Marshall in the Coach Huff era. You know, and and we and he's had some fair amount of turnover because he keeps bringing in good people, and mm-hmm. and they become sought after. So yeah, you know, we saw that with uh, Vodler. He was here and gone, and then Meyer now potentially. So. It, it leaves a void that has to be filled, and there are plenty of great candidates that are out there, and you know these guys like Huff know who they want to get. They know the type of personality they want to have in those roles. So um, if Logan is indeed gone or will be gone, I obviously wish him nothing but the best because he was always great, and we met him in, met him a few times, and good dude. So I wish him nothing but the best, but on the same token, now you got to turn around and hire another rock star, man, you know? He uh, he did tweet out that there was some big news coming yeah. for him. Uh, so, you know, you kind of expect that this mm-hmm. is true. Football Scoop usually does a pretty good job on, on those sort of hires. Uh, number six, speaking of football, we have the staff additions. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, they have now been named. Aaron Dobson will be elevated from his analyst position to wide receiver coach. Bob Shoup elevated uh, the same to safeties coach. Cody Creel comes in uh, from Incarnate Word as the offensive line coach. And D.C. Jason Seymour will also coach linebackers now. Yeah, uh, I, I can't say that I'm I'm completely surprised by Seymour also coaching linebackers because that's what he did at previous stops uh, at Georgia Tech for sure. And, of course, we, we've talked about him being the D.C. at Valdosta State. But he has experience mm-hmm. coaching uh, at linebackers. And I think that we've seen D.C.'s coach position group before. And I, I don't know. We've also seen Marshall have corners coaches and safeties coaches as two different things before. And that mm-hmm. looks like, obviously, the route we're going to go again because, well, uh, that's what we have the thing, the most intriguing thing is uh, Bob Shoup because he was an analyst last year with uh, with Marshall. Uh, but he has got a really, really impressive resume. I don't know mm-hmm. if, you, if you've looked at it, or I doubt really anybody has probably dug deep and looked at it. I but have. He, he started his coaching career way back in the late eighties as a GA with Yale, but it, it's consistently rising the ranks until you get all the way up to 2014 
wherein he was the defensive coordinator at Penn State. And then left took, there, went to Tennessee. Right, took the job, left there to be D.C. at Tennessee, and then left there to be D.C. at Mississippi State. Then safeties coach at Michigan down to the U for as a defensive analyst. Then two years ago, defensive coordinator at South Florida, also safeties coach there. Then he goes to the, I can't remember, it was the XFL or USFL, whatever, whichever Birmingham. one Yeah, but Birmingham Stallions, he was the DB's coach there and before landing at Marshall last year uh, as an analyst and now going to be the safeties coach. So, geez, man, Bob Shoup has forgotten more about football than mm. most people will ever know about football. So that to me is, I don't, that's one of those where you go, wow. <laughs> I mean, how often do you see former defensive coordinator, Penn State, Tennessee, Mississippi State, is position coach at Martin. The wealth of knowledge there is, is off the charts. Off the charts. And we, then, we know that – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to go on to a different coach. So if you have something okay. else about Shoup, let's have yeah. it. Yeah, you just know that uh, Coach Huff is very familiar with him because two of those stops coincided with his time there as well. Coach Huff was there at the same time uh, at Penn State and then later at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. So he he should be very familiar with him and what he knows. So it, if he's elevating him up to a position and, you know, we got a former defensive coordinator at high level places yeah. and safeties coach or defensive back, whichever it was at Michigan, you know, yeah. we've got we've got a wealth of knowledge, like you said, here at that position. Well, safeties coach also while D.C. at Penn State. So yeah. it's it again. This might might fly under the radar as just a regular hire, but it could be this amazing get. You know, when you look at that coaching tree, you don't just forget how to coach defense. You know, right? Uh, and then you talk about let's talk about Aaron Dobson because that was that was a really that made me feel good, right? Because Aaron's been here, done that, and um, he knows a thing or two about playing wide out obvious mm-hmm. but aside from just being a marshall all-time great several years in the league right in the nfl patriots and cardinals and so he's been at that level too young guy so he he has uh that certain vibe that you want to be able to relate to those players but aside from all that he's a west virginia guy he grew up in dunbar you know south charleston high school areas that are super close to huntington you know, you're talking 45 minutes down the road. So when that guy drives down the road and goes back to the Charleston area, he's known. You know what I mean? And 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 recruiting and, and things like that, aside from being a position coach, that's an automatic like influencer when you talk about recruiting locally. Automatic. I loved it though, because he, you know, he breaks into the coaching ranks last year. I remember he was like, Well, you know, we're gonna start this new venture and you know, first year in, good job analyst role now you get elevated your first full-time assistant coaching job you i love it man you gotta love it uh you got anything like particular that that you want to say about aaron being hired before we move into the last one no no okay. uh you you hit all the notes on there cody creel for me is a coach that i'll be honest i'd never heard of right because there's so many coaches you just can't know them all but when you see it and you start going and digging back into the resume a little bit. This is another one that seems like it might be a big home run. And I'll tell you why. This is this kind of lends to the 
the whole thought process of we're going air raid in 24. You know, I don't know that we will fully. We, there could be some hybrid element to it or whatever. But Cody Krill used to be the offensive coordinator at Incarnate Word, right? And, and I know a lot of folks might go, big deal. Who cares? Well, go back and read his, his uh, profile uh, from Incarnate Word. And it talks about the passing records and the offensive records that they set under his tutelage. And, you know, for p- completions and yardage and, and touchdowns. Let me get this. Season records at Incarnate Word, including total offense, total points, and touchdowns. All right? So isn't that exactly what you want in Huntington? You want those type of numbers to be pumped up? I mean, I know our season records for all those things are really impressive, and it's hard to sit back and go, yeah, we'll break all those, because it's unlikely that you will. But we've said it before. You get to that 30-point-per-game threshold, you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win a lot of football games. So – you got Seth Dagey coming in to be the offensive coordinator. You're bringing in a defensive safeties coach that's been a defensive coordinator at high-level schools. Now you're bringing in an offensive line coach that was an offensive coordinator at a high-flying offense in the FCS ranks, among other places, by the way. He's been a head coach at like some junior colleges and things before. But, man, this staff is starting to take place, and I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse, but, boy, it's starting to get really exciting, you know? of what's potentially on the horizon here. Of course, it all has to work. you got to get the right players and the right scheme, and it's all got to work, and and then you have to execute and all that. But you can't do any of that until you get the right coaches in place that's going to get the most out of the guys you bring in. Feels pretty good. Got to be honest. I think uh, two of the the announcements yesterday, uh, if you dig deep into it, you're like, wow, these are potential super home run hires. And you also think, wow, Aaron Dobson's probably going to be a pretty good hire too. So – it got quiet for a while. I just like to think that they were waiting for the calendar to flip around to 24 before you kind of make the news because that's what happened. Um, but boy, oh boy, excitement starting to build. All right. Our number seven and final thing is that we have some transfer portal news. We are going to have this probably every week or every show that uh, we're going to be doing this. And when our show came out last time, we had some players announced later that day. So uh, here's some that we have brought in. Uh, Elijah Ellis, offensive line from Baylor, six foot six, 307 offensive lineman. Uh, Braylon Braxton, quarterback from Tulsa, 6'3", 222. Um, and his uh, receiving mate, Carl Chester Jr., Six foot four, 195 pound wide receiver. So those are three that came in. Uh, we had a few that left. Uh, by the way, I'm getting this information, KD. Where am I getting all this information from? I'm going to guess at thundercast.online, by the way, right. with, with the unbelievably accurate transfer tracker. <laughs> yep. Uh, pretty proud of this thing. I try to stay up, uh, up to date on it. Uh, but uh, let's see here who we had going out. Uh, Elijah Alston uh, was on. We had him listed uh, the last time. Uh, John McConnell, uh, we had him listed last time. Mason Pierce, we had confirmation during the show. Uh, so not sure that we really talked about that enough. Uh, so since then, Eric Meeks, offensive lineman, 
Uh, he was uh, center, backup center, I think. Uh, then uh, Jalil Rivera Harvey, defensive line, uh, played uh, all 12 games. Uh, Jack Shearholtz, quarterback, and he won the scout team award this year, but didn't see any time, obviously. He redshirted. And uh, Marcus Velez, tight end. Uh, and he is a one of those guys that graduated that we talked about, and he has two years remaining, so he's a grad transfer in the portal. So that's yeah. it. Early on, we saw a bunch of guys that were looking for an opportunity, right? The walk-on guys, the 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 buried in the depth chart guys. And then after the fact, a little bit later, we started seeing guys that were impactful players for the Herd in 23. And particularly after the bowl game is when we really saw some of those, you know, like Holler was gone before that, but Elijah Austin, then McConnell, you know. So there are some guys now that uh, make you go, ooh, that's one you got to replace, you know, that kind of thing. But I can't fault them, you know, and, and specifically like somebody like Jack Shearholz, you see you're sitting back and you're thinking, damn, they've just brought in two quarterbacks. Well, what's that going to mean for me potentially? Well, let me see if, you know, there's a better situation out there. I don't fault any of these guys. I really don't. Sure. It's just it's the nature of the beast. It's always going to be that way now, and it ain't never going to change. So I say this all the time, and I believe it to be true. Anytime you have a transfer out, that to me is an opportunity to just get better. It doesn't mean if a quarterback leaves, you go get another quarterback and get better. It just means that's a roster spot that's now open. Somewhere that's an opportunity to improve your roster at any position because a roster spot has opened. That's just mm -hmm. my take on it. And I, and I and I and it helps me deal with some of the guys that hit the portal that I wanted to see return. That's all. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I look at it. Other folks choose to look at it like there's no loyalty in sports anymore. And that's fine. There's yeah. not. There's not. But who cares? It's that's the way it is. How many years in a row have I said, you know, we cannot celebrate the people that are coming in and bemoan the fact that people are leaving? That's right. One, you know, that's hypocritical, you know, of, of the transfer portal uh, or your take on the transfer portal. You can't just, you know think that you're just going to keep bringing people in Two, there has to be a roster spot to bring these people in. Mm -hmm. So it's just the natural flow of how it is. Also transfer portal is a relatively new term and it's been more defined with, um, uh, you know, exact dates and, and such things, but transfers have been happening since the start of college football, the modern yeah. college football era, you know, think of, uh, NFL player Troy Aikman, you know, he was at Oklahoma and UCLA, you know, Moss came here from Florida State. Uh, there is a long history of people transferring. That's not new. Uh, it's just they have a defined opening and closing of this window and they're calling it the portal. So this isn't something that is just, oh, my God, they're letting us have transfers now. It's been happening forever, you know. Well, it has, but it's different. I think what it is people, different. I think what people don't like is that you can just now transfer multiple times without any, you know, without before you had to transfer and sit, you know. And I didn't think that was fair either. But there, there should have just been stipulations. It's like, all right, you recruited by this coach, and your relationship with this coach, that coach got fired. Well, you should be able to transfer, right? You should be able to at that point do something. But I don't like the fact that guys can go in and transfer like two and three times now, you know, and and 
that's that's sucks. That's when you get on into a like, what are we doing here? Like, and that that could be overturned because you know they had tried to limit that to where you had to sit a year on your second transfer unless it was a situation where your coach left, and then it was ruled um, by a judge or something that hey, you can't do that. So yeah, of course. May, may, maybe maybe they go in and they try to get that fixed somehow and in a year or two, you know, it'll go back to where you have to sit. I don't know. But whatever it is, if we are not taking advantage of the rule and we're just saying, well, I don't like the portal, so I'm not going to participate, you know. Oh, gosh. Pe- people are leaving and you don't bring anybody in. Uh, I, Recipe I think for Huff, disaster. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Coach Huff embraces that. Uh, I don't want to say – more than other schools, because I, I think nationwide it's just become a, a a facet of the game now. You have to do that in, yeah. in your recruiting and, and all that. You have to have so many transfers in because you're losing upperclassmen. You don't want to just bring in all high school kids and have them, you know, wait a year or two before they get their bodies ready to play at this level. So um, I think that we do a really good job of it, though, yeah. bringing uh- in – what we do, and, and again, I'm just going to go back and say, like, I think most people's gripe with it is being able to transfer multiple times. And uh, you also f- toss in the NIL to where it basically just becomes free agency. And that just yeah. rubs people the wrong way. And there are some things that, that could be done to mitigate that. It, will it be done? Who knows? But for the, for the here and now, we have to play the game the way that it's outlined. And if you don't outlined, and if you don't, then you're just going to fall farther and farther behind. And, and then you're, you're just putting yourself in a road, a tougher road to win ball games. Right. And that's not what you want to win. So you might as well play the game that the way it's outlined right now. So do it. If you don't like it kind of tough, would you rather not like how the game's played and win some games or lose, you know, and that's, that's kind of what it feels like. But luckily um, we do get to talk about some players, right? Our feature story this week is we're going to do a recruiting wrap up for the herd. And we talked about portal out guys and, and the great freaking article that's up on thundercast.online. If you haven't found it yet, if you haven't gone, you got to go. The link to thundercast.online is in the description to all the episodes. And if you click it, it's basically the first article that's up. So you'll see it and uh, you can get, you can keep track. Even if you haven't been keeping track, they're all right there for you. But uh, it's actually the second article now because uh, Trace's article is up top now uh, because it's more recent. Which, by the way, let me talk about that real fast. Uh, If you didn't see it, Trace Johnson, our good buddy, ranked all 19 of Marshall's starting quarterbacks of the FBS era. That's important. 1997 to the present. And if they started at least one game, they were ranked. That's how it works. And this is his personal ranking. Uh, it has nothing to do with how Russ and I see it, right? This is all Trace's thing. He wanted to do it. So we were like, yeah, man, do it. And it, it was, it, it's been a mixed bag of how it was received. Of course, nobody's going to agree on everything. And, and some people think that, you know, some guys are terrible and deserve to be in last place and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you got to understand that you can't rank a guy dead last just because you don't like him when he actually went out on the field and was a multi-year starter for a number of games and actually won the game, won games for the herd over a guy that maybe started one or two games. It just doesn't work that way. So if you want, if you're interested in that, go check it out because I think Trace did a great job. 
I think he did a really, really, really good job. It was well thought out. He went and did the stats dive and everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. So very well constructed article. I can tell you it would have been extremely hard for me to write that article. Uh, I enjoy writing articles like that, but to compare – uh, a couple of players that both had two starts. I mean, only sure. two starts, you know, and uh, it, it's almost like it's unfair because, you know, that might not have been indicative of their talent as their placement on this list or whatever. Um, but you have to put them somewhere. You know, someone has to be 19. Someone has to be one. Someone has to be right in the middle. Sure. And when, when you look uh, what I think a lot of people weren't really getting, it wasn't clicking for them, was Trace was putting their longevity was weighted up there. So if they were a starter for two years, like you said, no one is sitting here saying this is the talent one to 19. No, it's the results kind of, you know. So if someone was at the very bottom, I think the – Last three, 17, 18, and 19 had six, seven, I think, combined starts. Right. You know, and, and that's barely over half of a season versus somebody yeah. like Chad, for example. Yeah, sure. But it was just a really neat idea. I'm glad he wanted to do that. I'm looking forward to most of those. And I think we're going to – let me go ahead and break a little news. Um, I think he's going to do a series. and he's mm -hmm. And it's not going to be the same thing. It's not going to be the same like ranking of all 19 because there are so many guys, for example, that you, you couldn't go back and, and calculate who all started a game at running back. It would be in the 50s probably. But um, I think he's just going to start doing maybe his personal ranking of top whatever number he chooses of the FBS era. And mm -hmm. that is going to be really, really cool to read. There's going to be – uh, I kept seeing this too. Uh, man, what a great trip down memory lane. I'd forgotten about some of those quarterbacks. Yep. And we're going to get to do all that again with running backs and tight ends and wide receivers and defensive ends, everybody. I think he's going to do a series through the offseason. So when those articles go up or when those articles get completed, we'll do the same kind of thing. I might do a teaser with a, with a couple of them and then we'll link the whole article so you got to go check it out. But I think this is going to be a great b bunch of content to get us through the off season while we uh, yeah. while we talk about recruiting and 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 all that good stuff. So, and final note on Thundercast.online, it is not just all football articles on there. Uh, however, right now it has been kind of dominated by mm -hmm. football articles on there. So, if anyone that is a listener or viewer of this show wants to write for thundercast.online, just reach out to us. Uh, DM us at uh, the Thundercast Twitter or uh, message us if you're uh, Facebook only. We're over there. And just say, hey, I'm interested in writing. What we're not looking for is someone to try to compete with Luke Creasy's coverage from the Herald-Dispatch right. because you'll lose. Luke does an amazing job, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're not looking for a beat writer. We're looking for stories. You know, one of the stories that I wrote on there was when a family hits the transfer portal and it was uh, the Holler family when Trent came here from ECU. It was like, tell us what all that was like, you know, and I think that's a really good article that's over there. Um, so just different articles of being a fan of these sports. So if you uh, have a sport that you want to write about, hit us up. Maybe it can work out. Yeah. Yeah, we're just looking for the fan point of view 
for whatever you want to write about, you know, as long as it's appropriate, you know, content type stuff. But uh, we welcome creative folks that, that want to just scratch that itch a little bit. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some recruiting, Russ. Early signing day came and went. Like I said, we know that there will be another signing period in February. Um, and then we'll have another portal window at the end of spring ball. So there's a lot of movement that's still going to be underway, especially after spring when the depth chart becomes a little clearer and, and it becomes actually, I should say it becomes clear to guys that realize they're going to be buried far enough that they need to try to find another, you know, place per, per by, um, but for now, for now we had a, whole lot of portal in guys we had um a decent uh well actually we had about 50 50 portal in and and high school recruiting guys um let me go down you you talked about the guys that left so let's without the guys that graduated we know this there, there's the holes are bigger at certain areas but just the portal out guys we had 28 players currently as of today when we record that have that have hit the portal out and again does not include guys that graduated, guys like Dalton Tucker that graduated, Owen Porter that graduated. We know that's a hole at offensive line. We know that's a hole at defensive end. Portal out, 28 players. There were three quarterbacks, including the starting quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers hit the portal, including two starters, uh, three tight ends, including one starter, uh, five offensive linemen, including one starter, not including Dalton Tucker. Uh, six defensive linemen hit the portal out, including one starter and two guys that were high production type guys. Two linebackers hit the portal, two corners, one safety, and of course, John McConnell, the punter, all hit the portal. So that kind of gives you an idea of where some of these holes needed to get filled initially. Also, you have to take into account that there are rumors swirling that the herd is going to run a completely different style of offense. So we know that's got to plug some holes or got to got some holes that need to be plugged with how you recruit. Namely, a, a, a revamped wide receiver room is a big deal because a lot of guys left. The production wasn't that great. Plus, you got a new system coming in. That's a lot. Um, so let's talk about it. Portal in, guys. Russ, there were 12 currently right now. And it, will it surprise you? Probably not to know that it is weighted heavily towards the offense. 11 of 12 are offensive players. Okay, only one defensive guy, and let's talk about him first. It was defensive lineman Jason Shuford, six foot four, three twenty two, comes over from East Carolina. The remaining eleven, all offense. A pair of quarterbacks come in in the uh, portal class, and you mentioned one earlier, Braylon Braxton, six two two twenty two, comes from Tulsa. The other is Mitch Griffiths, five eleven one ninety three, comes over from Wake Forest. So a lot of competition for. In, I guess you would call him incumbent starter Cole Pennington because he was the last one to start a game for the Herd. Yep. One one running back in the class so far, Jordan Houston, 5'9", 180, comes over from NC State. Then a quartet of wide receivers, Christian Fitzpatrick, 6'4", 220, from Michigan State. Tyshawn Chapman, 5'9", 175, comes over from North Carolina. Elijah Metcalf, 59170 comes over from Middle Tennessee. Aforementioned Carl Chester from Tulsa, 63202. One tight end comes over in the class, Justin Holmes, six foot three, 237 from Kent State. And then three offensive linemen, Jeremy Jones, six foot five, 314 from 
Tulsa. So, yes, that's three players from Tulsa, a quarterback, a wide receiver, and an offensive lineman. Offensive lineman Barrett Maddox comes over from Vanderbilt, 6'6", 281, and the aforementioned Elijah Ellis, 6'6", 307, from Baylor. Russ, thoughts really quickly on this uh, 12-player, 11-offensive player portal in class from the early signing period. We're going to look 100% different than we did this year. Uh, I have mentioned a lot on this show. Cam Fancher was a lefty. You know, we have no lefty. In fact, Sheerholtz was also a lefty, and he transferred out. So everyone that was brought in was a righty. We're going to see, you know, it's just different, you yeah. know, when you have a left, left-handed quarterback. Um, we are bringing in some speed, smaller uh, slot receivers, and we are bringing in some tall uh, outside receivers. Um it's looking like that air raid is with what we already have here that is remaining in the wide receiver room, plus these, plus the tight ends that we're going to have, uh, not just the tight end that we brought in, but the tight ends that we have returning. We are going to have a lot of aerial weapons. And it's almost like, I don't know that it will be this way, but it's almost like you have enough that have, starting uh, experience from either here or that has transferred in from other schools, that it would almost be like that hockey style sub everyone out, sub everyone in type deal. I'm not saying that's what we would do. You just have that depth. It's the same thing I said about the defensive line coming into this year or last year. Um, Bringing in all of these players, not to mention the high school kids from the offense. It's just going to look top to bottom different in our offense. And I think with the struggles that we had last year, that's a very good thing. Well, it's going to, first off, it's going to need to look different because it wasn't very potent last year. It was at times, but outside of really Rasheen Ali, and when Cam was healthy, it looked a lot different, right? But, by and large, the, the vast majority of the season, it was inconsistent. And that's fair to say because we saw yeah. it all play out. We scored points. Sure. And we looked great in games. But week in and week out and stringing together a month worth of offense, it, it wasn't like what I would consider um, very consistent. You know, we saw yeah. great games at NC State, but also a lot of turnovers. You know, we saw mm-hmm. uh, really great uh, performances here and there. And individual performances were great here and there. But as a team concept, it wasn't great. Uh, and going going uh, tempo, up tempo, we saw uh, great success when we were able to do that. And then at other times we saw trying to go tempo, but you would have a false start or a hold yeah. or, uh, yeah. you know, a, a couple of incompletions. And then that stalls your your drive and tempo did nothing except for get your defense back out with 35 seconds of rest. Right. So that's where something like a Cody Krill, who has been a pass-heavy offensive coordinator before, is really going to pay dividends from your offensive line because, well, he knows how to set those guys up to block effectively for an air raid type offense, right? We know because mm-hmm. it's not the same. It ain't the same, and it needed to be different. So let's talk about the high school guys coming in real quick. 11 players uh, signed from the high school ranks in the early signing period, a little bit more balanced. 
though still leaning to the offensive side. Six offensive guys, five defensive guys. So let's talk about those six offensive guys. First and foremost, you bring in another quarterback. So three quarterbacks in this class. And of course, it's longtime heard commit Jaquai Long, six foot two, two ten, coming from Hurricane. I'm going to give you a little couple of extra data points for these high school guys. I'm going to give you their 24-7 sports overall rank in the state and then their position rank in their state to give a little context to what we're doing here. So Jaquai Long comes in, a three-star prospect, number seven overall prospect in the state of West Virginia, the number one quarterback in the state of West Virginia. Running back Moses Gray Jr., six foot one, two hundred five, from uh, Wagman, Louisiana, three-star guy, number fifty-nine overall recruit in the state of Louisiana, number two running back, wide receiver Marcel Williams, six foot one ninety, comes out of Hollywood, Florida, three-star guy, overall prospect in the state of Florida, number two seventeen, but he's the number thirty wide receiver. And I know that you're like, man, that's a pretty high number, really. We're talking about the state of Florida and a skill position guy. They go pretty deep. Uh, wide receiver Riley McIntosh, 5'11", 180, coming out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, 757 guy, three-star, 49th overall prospect in the state of Virginia, the number seven wide receiver in the state. Then you got tight end Aiden Steinfeld, 6'4", 250 from Bloomington, Indiana, three-star guy, number 17 overall prospect in the state of Indiana, and the number one tight end. Then the uh, another offensive lineman is part of this class, so that'll be four as of now. Um, Andrew Hancock, six foot five, three hundred from Youngsville, North Carolina, another three star guy, number thirty nine overall prospect in the state of North Carolina, the number five overall offensive line prospect. But to break that down a little bit more, they separate him on twenty four seven Sports from offensive tackle and interior offensive lineman. He's an interior offensive lineman, and he's the number two interior offensive lineman coming out of uh, North Carolina in 2024. Five defensive guys. Cornerback Corey, Corey Myrick, 6'3", 185 from Cincinnati, if you remember. Three-star guy. Number 52 overall prospect in the state of Ohio and the number five corner in the state of Ohio. Then three defensive line, very defensive line heavy in this high school class from the early signing period. Started off with Chris Stokes, six foot three, three oh five from Dallas, Georgia, three star guy, number two thirty nine overall in the state of Georgia, but the number twenty six defensive lineman. Then we'll go to Cameron Chamura, six foot three, three hundred from Wexford, Pennsylvania, two star guy, number sixty overall in the state of Pennsylvania, but the number eight defensive lineman, defensive lineman Michael Lunsford, six foot three, two seventies from Milton. Cabell Midland guy, three-star prospect, number four overall in the state of West Virginia, and, yep, number one defensive lineman in the state. And then close it out with linebacker Chasen Clark, six foot two, 200 from Stark, Florida, three-star guy, 189 overall in the state of Florida, but the number 13 linebacker in the state. That is a killer list of guys, particularly talking about getting the number one at two positions in the state of West Virginia. That's awesome. Yep. Number one defensive lineman, number one cornerback or quarterback. That is great. Uh, I mentioned before, just quick notes, heavy offensive focus so far, 17 out of 23 overall prospects are on the offensive side of the football. Russ, we're going to look different from an offensive standpoint. Um, what's most surprising to you? Let, well, I mean, let's talk about the, the high school guys. What are you getting a feeling of here? We know it's really early and there's a lot of developmental stuff there. 
is there a guy that that might stick out to you to that will get some solid playing time in 24 could be an instant impact guy just a knee-jerk reaction no uh there's not for me because i never know how to to view someone that's coming in uh straight out of high school um but what I will say is when you compare their height and weight on here, a lot of these are already at those numbers that you would like to see. Sure. Uh, but, uh, well, let me talk about that first. Uh, defensive line, you got 6'3", 305, 6'3", 300, 6'3", uh, I'm missing another one there, aren't I? No, not in the high school ranks. No, yeah, three. Okay. Uh, and then offensive line, 6'5", 300. Um, one thing about that huge size already, you got a tight end, 6'4", 250. That's a mm-hmm. huge size already. You've got a defensive back that's 6'3". You know, how yeah. much did we talk about that before is, you know, going up for the jump ball. You're not having a five foot nine guy on a 6'3 wide receiver. You're having a 6'3 guy on a 6'3 wide receiver. Um, also got a linebacker in here at 6'2", 200. Um, you've got a lot of height and weight uh, around where you want to be. But that first year, let's say their weight stays the same. Coach Huff talked about it before coming into this season the body composition of that six foot five, 300, that offensive lineman may put on 15 pounds of muscle and shed 15 pounds of fat. That's going to be a drastically different six foot five, 300 than what he is right now. Uh, So these high school kids, even though they're already this size, once they get into the nutrition and the weight room that they're going to have here in college, their composition is just going to change uh, the level of competition that they're playing is going to change. So I wouldn't be surprised to see all of these players sit and redshirt and just get a, a year in the weight room, a year getting acclimated to college life and the speed of the game, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, Admittedly, I don't know if any of these uh, high school guys are going to be early enrollees and be there for spring ball and be able to go mm-hmm. through – you know, be with BA because that's that's huge. They get that, yeah. that that that's huge. If you can get that jump start and get the spring program, and you know, have him abuse you for an entire spring, you really get a leg up on the rest of the guys that aren't early enrollees. You just do. Yeah. There are some guys that are probably mostly going to sit. You know, but if I, you know, I was looking for maybe if you had one, it's like yeah, I could see this guy getting some game. Um, I, if I had to pick one, I would think it may be the tight end Aiden Steinfeld. Right, because we did use a lot of tight ends, and 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 uh, you know we're going to be a different offensive look. But in even in an air raid, it 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 helps to have as many tight end weapons as you can get, both for blocking and for receiving. Yes, Toby Payne should be back and be healthy. You know, Chris Con or uh, uh, Cade Conley tore it up. You know, before he got yeah. dinged up late in the game. So there's some weapons there. But you know, the departure of Sean Salas leaves a weapon to be filled right at the tight mm-hmm. end position. Steinfeld coming in as a guy that's number 17 overall in Indiana, number one tight end. Looks good. You know, could be a guy. Could be a guy. I don't know. But if I have to put my finger on one, I'm just going to say him because like like the build, I like the the uh, production there. His brother was also a tight end. I saw earlier in the season or earlier 
not in the season, but he hit the portal. He was at Indiana when they had the coaching change. He hit the portal, and I don't know where he is, if he's committed anywhere else yet. But, you mm-hmm. know, that seems to be what the Steinfelds do. They play tight end. Yeah. Um, but there's uh, so much movement. Again, I, we have a great start here, a great start. And uh, there, there's going to be guys that, that are going to separate. There are going to be guys that um, do not meet expectation. Um, there are going to be guys that are currently on the roster that will be looking for a new home because they're being outperformed, right? And they want to play. So this is where I get to use the term cautiously optimistic when you talk about recruiting because there's a lot to be done. I do have one. Uh, I, I have I have this feeling um, that not only just saying we ain't done, as in, of course, recruiting doesn't end, but, I mean, I want that – for you to to I want to say that to you and you to go yeah like we ain't done as in it's gonna get better not just we're adding numbers it's like I think there's still some oh man how did that happen additions to this recruiting class that are coming you know I'm I'm uh expecting when you have this was the early uh signing period I feel like in February there's going to be a, a couple of more surprises but I expect in the portal I look for us to take another quarterback and I would not, it would not shock me to it be a grad transfer type deal where they have one year to play. Um, I think competition is going to be good for everybody. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Cole the entire year here, you know, but I also am not going to say, well, it's got to be cold. We'll just get some backups brought in here. You know, I think whoever that is the best be, has got to win. Yeah, That's how it is. That's, that's exactly right. Whoever is going to do the best for the program is who we want to see on the field. Yeah. And um, I, I just, I would expect to see now that we've kind of front loaded with some offense and everything, and we've seen a couple of defensive linemen leave over the last couple of weeks or whatever. I would expect to see more defensive linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs just really amp up that defense from the portal. That's just a gut feeling that I have. I don't have any inside information. That's just me looking at what we brought in so far and saying, well, there's still some need to bring in some depth here. So I figure that's what it's going to be. Well, I'm also going off of the history and track record of Mm-hmm. recruiting under coach Huff and and he's told us before you know like there are some guys that we just ain't going to announce until we can oh, get yeah. there are certain like he's either got to be on campus and per- participate with the team or they've got a he's got to sign like a like a financial aid agreement right like a scholarship agreement right. or whatever yep. and and then they have the freedom to announce because up until that point they can be poached right away you can get your yep. commitment but somebody can swoop right in and take them so it behooves you oftentimes for those holy crap, how did this happen prospects to not say a word about them until you can get the ink dry on the paper. Then what? you can say it. As, as bad as we as fans want to know everything yeah. as soon as it happens, it's not what's best for you as the fan at the time because the guy could announce a commitment and be gone. You know. Well, you're, you remember what he said uh, on this show about ad drop. You know, it's that that they could be here and enrolled even, mm-hmm. and then they could drop the classes that first Friday. Usually, mm-hmm. uh, they could drop all their classes, 
and then they could just go be a late enrollee somewhere else or miss spring somewhere else and go enroll and be there for the summer. Um, you can't, even when they enroll and sign, they could still drop out. You know, right. they are not signing a letter of intent as, as that is binding as coach uh, Huff said on this show, it's just a different animal. Yeah. And, and you also have to take into account, there will be guys that will graduate in the spring who will mm-hmm. then be grad transfers and, and they aren't now, but they will be at the end of the spring semester. So you could add them during the summer, right? It, it, recruiting doesn't quit. So if you look at this class right now, you can be really excited about it. You can, you can be like, wow, we're really off to a good start here. But what you can't do is pretend like the book is closed <laughs> yeah, because it ain't closed. And I, I haven't looked, but I imagine there might still be a, a coaching position open out there that would change someone's mind, you know, the, from the high school ranks and someone that's already at that program, you know, mm-hmm. a, a new head coach comes in and their old coach is, is leaving. Uh, we had uh, all kinds of different scenarios where someone just got their coaching position in January or February. Uh, you've got uh, players that might get beat out in spring and realize, Hey, I, I just, I'm not going to be able to play here. So then they transfer over the summer. We've picked up a couple of players over the summer, the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, we are not done. And I just have a sneaking suspicion that we're probably going to go after a quarterback still. And I would expect more defensive players to come in. Yeah. I would, I would also defensive lineman. I would also expect a, a, a larger emphasis, um, post-early signing day on defensive players. It also kind of surprises me that, you know, we know the great Rasheen Ali is is done at Marshall. We know that now. And that's not speculation. That's a thing. He's not transferring. He's going to the uh, Shrine Bowl, and then he's going to make his run at the league, right? So it was a little surprising to me that only uh, they only hit one running back in the portal and they bring in another one in because we saw Ali go and then two others hit the portal. So – that, that means overall you're minus one if you're trying to keep the same numbers right now. So that's another area where I'm like, okay, who's going to be out there that's like a really good pass catcher out of the backfield? You know, like you got it. They also can't just use all their ammunition right now because like you said, you don't know who else is going to be available. You've got to keep some things in your hip pocket mm-hmm. for some things that may fall into your lap or some targets that you would really like to go after, you know, in the spring and early into the summer. So uh, I know, I know. We are not done. And I also feel like what we saw in 2023 and even to a large extent in 2022, it's not going to look like that in 2024. Uh, You're always going to, because there's only a few options you can do on offense, right? You can either run the ball or pass the ball. (laughs) That's basically it. So you're always going to see that, but we're not going to run. We're not going to look the same. So for all the folks that griped about fire this coach, fire that coach and, this, that, and the other. Well, you got your wish. We're going to look different. So now um, it, it falls on us to see what it's like or just like deal with what it's like. I hope it comes out of the gate like a well-oiled machine and Marshall goes from a you know 20-point-per-game team to a 35-point-per-game team um, because you know next year's the expanded playoff, right? Uh, now's the time to get right. I mean, damn, you go on a run now and you're game changing. You know, you're not worried about a New Year's six. You're go, you're you're going for a playoff spot. So 
Uh, I'm there for the ride. I don't know about you, but I'm there for a ride. Oh, I'm always here. What else we got? Uh, that's it. We're going to take it around the herd. All right, let's do, do that. that. All right, swimming and diving. They have a meet coming up on Friday. It's in Athens. They're going up uh, to Ohio. Then they'll be back here at 1 p.m. on Saturday hosting Bowling Green for another meet. So Athens is not too far away. It's a good little town, good little trip. So if you got nothing to do or you're up there in the area already, why don't you head on over and support Swim and Dive up there and definitely try to do that on Saturday here. I, I'm going to try to get the... Uh, kids together and go over and watch that on Saturday just because they've never been to a swim and dive uh, event. So they're uh, having a good season so far and they deserve our support. So support out there. Yeah. Uh, Women's basketball. They dropped a close one. This is way back on December the 21st. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was the day the episode dropped. The last one that we did, they dropped a close one at Wake Forest, 66 to 59. They were actually up going into the fourth quarter. A couple of foul shots made that at the end look a little bit uh, wider of a gap than it was. Um, But playing at Wake Forest, that was a really good game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they opened conference play with a win at Southern Miss on December the 30th, 87 to 72. Looked very good start to finish in that game. Uh, just running what we have come to know, running people to death off Mm -hmm. the court. A lot of depth that we have. Uh, We never give anyone a break. KD, what do you call it? The most relentless 40 minutes in basketball. Yeah, and that's exactly what you're going to get when you see them play. They're going to be hosting South Alabama on Thursday at 6 p.m., and then Arkansas State on Saturday at 1 p.m. So uh, I'm going to try to do both games, the uh, basketball and the swim meet. I won't be able to see all of them because they're at the same time, but it's what I'm going to try to do with family, get them over there to see a little bit of both of that, you know, both right there in the cam uh, and the Gullickson complex, you know. Well, they got a nice little two-game stretch at home, so a little weekend, early weekend, weekend at home. So a couple of sets of tickets will be going up for grabs. Just keep track of the social medias whenever they go up. And, hey, man, go check out the most relentless 40 minutes in basketball. Do you you happen to have those national rankings up? uh, Uh, I I can get them really quickly. If you you don't, that's okay. But if you guys missed the – graphic that they that the herd women's basketball account put out it was you know some of their sun belt rankings and national rankings in various categories you know things like steals and points and turnover margin and all that kind of stuff and yeah. boy oh boy they are living up to the hype you got it right there i've got them this is the sun belt first let me okay. go with this leading the sun belt in these categories with these stats number one points per game 85.3 number one in steals 14.75 uh, number two, uh, offensive rebounds per game, 16.1. Number one, three-point field goals made, 8.9 per game. Number one in turnover margin at plus 7.92, almost eight turnovers a game. Um, uh, let's see. Number two in assists per game, 15.8. Um, that was the Sun Belt where they listed, but here's ranking nationally, 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 300 and some programs. 
Number two in steals at 14.8 a game. Number 17 in offensive rebounding, 16.1 a game. Number 25 in three-point field goals made per game, 8.9. Number three in turnovers forced at 24.58. Number 12 scoring offense. And they're the number 11 in turnover margin at that plus 7.92. Again, nationally. All in season one. Mm-hmm. All without a complete, like, recruiting couple of recruiting cycles to fill the roster top to bottom. Now, yep. the players that stayed are rising to the occasion. The players mm-hmm. that came in are doing exactly what we thought they would do, right? Uh, I'm not going to say they're exceeding expectations, but man, they are absolutely meeting expectations of what they're we thought definitely. we would solve. Uh, and if they go on a run, it, it, it only matters now, right? It, it matters now. They, they've got the, the quality win over Florida under their belt. They went nipping uh, at the heels of Wake Forest on the road. So now it's what matters. You go run through the Sun Belt, and there's some good teams in the Sun Belt, right? Like uh, Georgia Southern is 11-2 and two on the season. Old Dominion is 9-2. and two. James Madison's 9-4. and four. I mean, these are good teams. You know, Marshall's 7-5, and five, but it was early struggles. Remember, they were sub-500 team for a while. And now it's starting to click. And if they can keep that run going and go toe-to-toe with some of these teams, notch some of those wins against those teams that we're looking up at the standings right now, man, uh, at the end of the season, you might go, absolutely, they exceeded expectations from season one. But let me tell you, you got to get out and watch them. We sent some fans to the games, you know, last time they were at home and they hadn't gone to a women's basketball game in a long time. They were like, that was awesome. I want to go back. I want to go see them again. Uh, all these top rankings and statistical categories across the Sun Belt, it just tells you you're going to see relentless smothering basketball that's up and down the floor. And by the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth, fourth quarter, there's not very many teams that are going to that are going to be able to keep pace with the herd like we can do for 40 minutes. You're just going to outpace and tire out teams and pull away. So unless the shots aren't falling, you've you're going to go into every game thinking we've got a legit ch- chance to win every game that's on the schedule. You just have to feel that way with the style of play that they put on the floor every night, right? Yeah, and uh reminder that we have not played many home games. We yeah. have done this 7 and 5 largely on the road. Um so now that we're getting into conference play, should be a little more 50-50 home and away. Um I think that uh, they are coming into their own at the perfect time, which is what you would always hope. Yep, that's what you want. I mean, of course, you want them peaking in late February, that kind of thing. But you've got to play well enough leading into that to notch a decent matchup in the conference tournament, right? But uh, I'll take them peaking, not peaking, but I'll take them leveling up now, you know, because, damn, it's it's pretty cool. Like the way they're playing, what we thought we would see, we're actually seeing. You know, and so often you have an expectation and it uh, your expectation doesn't get met. You don't think you don't see what you think you're going to see. And we're and that's not what's happening here. We're seeing what we what was advertised. You're getting that. So go to the games, go to the cam. We've got tickets. We'll send you. It's it's something we want folks to see, because, again, you go once, you'll probably go back and it's really, really cheap. You know, it's not like a twenty five dollar ticket. It's like a couple of bucks, man. So this is the perfect thing to do if you need a like. You know, cheap night out for the family. You want to take a couple mm-hmm. of kids and go have some dinner and just do something cheap. 
or not even or skip dinner and just go to the game. You know, you can get in and out of there for probably 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah, my kids eat twenty bucks a, a kid. They got to have everything from the well, that uh, falls on you. concession stand. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker. All right, <laughs> men's basketball. They lost at home, also back on twelve twenty two. So this has been a while back. But uh, home game, UNC Wilmington, very mm-hmm. good UNC Wilmington yeah. team. By the way, they beat Kentucky earlier in the year at Kentucky. Yep. We lost uh, seventy eight to sixty nine, and for a lot of that game, we were right there ahead or right neck and neck with them. Uh, then uh, we beat Louisiana at home on December the 30th, 75 to 61. Never trailed in that game. Got mm-hmm. off to an electric start. Um, saw some really good play by uh, Nate Martin. Obana just continues to kill it from uh, three and is just – doing it on the boards. He's doing it everywhere. And I would really like to see what our record would have been had he got to play down there in the Cayman Islands Classic. Uh, He missed all three of those games. And uh, anyway, uh, we have done a lot better than we have done earlier in the season. Again, going into conference play, which you like to see. Uh, They're playing Louisiana Monroe tonight in Louisiana. That's 7.30 Eastern time. And then they will travel to Texas State Saturday, and that is at 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, heard so far 6-8 and on the season. And you're right, if Obama makes the trip to the Cayman Islands, it might be a flip-flop of that record. I mean, you don't know, Mm -hmm. right? But but you you cannot dispute that not having him on the trip was impactful to the overall performance of the herd. It was. He's he's the leading scorer, and he's right there neck and neck on rebounds, and it's just the minutes that he's playing during the game. He just changes the game having him on the court. Yeah, it was really great to go uh, toe-to-toe with Louisiana and get that win. Uh, that's become a fun little pseudo-rivalry from a basketball court standpoint based on the games last year. Those were That was really good last year down um, in Lafayette, and to get them this year up in Huntington feels pretty good. You've got a two-game swing, and then they're finally back at home for two games starting on Wednesday the 10th and then Saturday the 13th. Of course, we'll have tickets for those. Uh, Georgia Southern will be the first one. They are struggling, but that is – I don't like playing teams that are like that. I mean, Georgia Southern's 1-12, so if you lose to them, you're like, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? They, but uh, let's get let's get going here. Louisiana Monroe's 4-7. and seven. They're a great opportunity to get a win on the road tonight. Um, then it'll be kind of a mirror image type game against Texas State. Be a nice little matchup for Nate Martin, if folks remember, because he was at Texas State last year. So I'm sure he's got that one circled, wanting to do really well against his former team. And then uh, you get the little quick home stretch where we'll have tickets. But bas- both basketball programs turned a bit of a corner. Women's more so than men's, but the men's also turned a corner. And we're seeing really consistent play. I still think uh, there's some scores that need to find a bit more consistency to make the herd a little bit more of a tougher out when the when you have to play them. But you can't get mad at what Oban is doing. You can't get mad at what Nate Martin's doing. You know, there's just some guys. If more shots start falling, the herd's going to start winning a little bit more. But man, I I can't say I'm mad at it. Not mad at it. You know, uh, being on the cusp of being a 500 team. They could be an 8-8 eight and eight team at the end of this weekend. And if you look at that, go, all right, 16 games into 500 could have been way worse when you talk about Kenzie gone and, and Andy Taylor gone and Han Logden gone. Those were big pieces to fill. We're finding our way. We're figuring out how to fill them. Hey, we knew it was going to be a little bit different than last year. It's actually a lot different than last year. 
what's left? That's all I've got for Around the Herd this week. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So get out to the basketball games. Win the damn tickets. Go to the games. That's what we uh, That's what we provide them for. Did we, is there anything else that you can think of off the top of your head that may have happened that we haven't talked about? Because I, I don't know. There's just been so much, it feels like. Some things were years ago. Um, but I would like to remind everybody about the – we talked about this in the last episode. We did the little uh, – we did the, the feature with the dugout club, right, in the baseball. So uh, go go check out the dugout club and see if you want to get involved with that. And, of course, I'm going to bring it up again. We secured our season baseball tickets, and we're going to be giving away tickets for all baseball season. Just wanted to throw that out there again because spring sports are spring sports and tickets are tickets, man. So if you got yep. nothing else, dude, take us out of here. Yeah, so whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us uh, down at the Natatorium to watch Swim and Dive, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd, sell the towels. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>